0: G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my great privilege to look with you at God's Word. We continue our series in the book of Genesis this week, chapter 26, verse 34, through to chapter 28, verse 9. Can I encourage you to have a Bible open in front of you? I'm going to read large sections of this passage, try to think with you about what it means and how it applies to us as people who have God's promises fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll also help you to have an outline of the talk and that's on the service program that hopefully you've downloaded during the week. Let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can meet together through this Zoom online conferencing platform. Thank you for our leaders who are helping us week by week and thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that it teaches us the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ and the great promises that are fulfilled through him. Please help us as we Look at your word to understand what it says. Please give us hearts ready to love you and to live as your people who have your promises made to Abraham and fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been tricked, ripped off, deceived? It's happened to me lots of times. When I first became minister of Chatsworth Presbyterian Church here, I lived in the house next door to the church. One day, a man came to the door. He told me a long story of woe about how all kinds of terrible things had happened to him. He apparently had no money to pay his rent or to buy food. I was uh, an idealistic young minister believed his story, and I gave him some money. Well, from there on, I got a whole string of people coming to the door. I guess news about the soft-touch minister got around. And so each week, numerous people would come. They'd come to the door, knock on the door, all with stories of terrible things that had happened to them, all asking for money to help them and I gave them money. I reckon I gave away a couple of thousand dollars in my first year or so here. Eventually I went to the elders and uh, I told them what was happening and they suggested that I have a chat to a more experienced minister about what I should do. So I rang up the minister who trained me when I was a student at Bible College. uh, I was trained by a minister called David Chai. And uh, I told him what was happening. David's advice was this. He said, check people's story. So, if someone says their wife is in hospital dying of cancer and they need money for a train fare, ask, what hospital is she in? So, so, So that you can call the hospital and check the story. Someone says that they can't pay their rent, ask for the invoice, the rent invoice. Offer to pay money direct to the real estate agent. Someone says they need money for food, offer them food. Do you know what? It didn't take long. Soon people stopped coming to the door. Do you know what? I don't think there was even one story of all the dozens that I heard that was true. Every single time it was a lie I was being tricked. In this next section of the book of Genesis, we follow the sibling rivalry between Isaac's twins. You remember Isaac's twins, Jacob and Esau? Well, we watch as they struggle with each other. We've already had a glimpse into Esau's character. Uh, Back in chapter 25, verse 34, we saw, do you remember, that uh, Esau despised his birthright, or as the author to Hebrews put it, Esau was godless he 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 only thought about he only thought about this world he 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 didn't value God's promises and as we come into the next section we see it happening with Esau again like Lamech before him Esau marries two women and they are local girls godless pagan idol worshiping girls and these girls they cause distress to Esau's parents Genesis chapter 26 and verse 34. Have a look with me. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beri the Hittite, and also Basimath, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Well, in the next scene, Isaac is getting old. He decides to pass on his blessing to the next generation. Now, Normally, this would involve bringing all his children together. The whole family should gather together for each to receive their blessing. That's what normally happens, it's what happens in other places in the Bible. But Isaac decides to do things a bit differently. He decides that he's only going to invite Esau to receive his blessing. Now, it's worth remembering a bit of background here. First, God has already spoken about this. God has already said the younger twin will become the ruler of the family. Jump back with me to chapter 25 and verse 23. Chapter 25 and verse 23. 25, 23. The Lord said to her, that's to Rebecca, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. God has already given his word on this. Plus, remember, from last week, Esau has already sold his birthright to Jacob. Uh, Isaac should be giving this blessing to Jacob. But, as we've seen, Isaac prefers Esau. Chapter 25 and verse 27. 25 27. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac who had a taste for wild game loved Esau but Rebekah loved Jacob. Isaac prefers Esau and so I- ignoring the fact that Esau is godless, ignoring God's word on the matter, I- ignoring the fact that Esau has sold the birthright and ignoring the fact that, that Esau has married ungodly women, Isaac decides to bless him. And No doubt because he knows he's not doing the right thing. Isaac invites no one else from the family to be there. Chapter 27 and verse 1. Chapter 27 and verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, "'My son.' "'Here I am,' he answered. Isaac said, "'I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death.' Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Isaac's wife, Rebecca, she overhears his plan. As we've just seen, she prefers Jacob and she has heard God's word on the matter as well and so she comes up with a plan of her own. She cooks up a stew and she tells Jacob to go to Isaac and pretend to be Esau. Isaac, remember, is blind. So Rebecca says, Jacob, go to Esau, go to Isaac and tell the lie that you're Esau and get the blessing. The blessing that God has promised him. Now Jacob raises the fact that Esau is hairy, but Rebecca has an answer for that as well. They kind of debate the matter back and forth until finally she tells him, just shut up and do as you're told. At the end of verse 13, verse 13, she says, just do what I say. Well, let's see what happens. It's pretty suspenseful, this story. Isaac is suspicious as Jacob comes and Jacob has to tell lie after lie after lie. And at any time, Esau could come back. Pick it up in verse 18. Let's have a look at this story. Verse 18. Jacob went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognise him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. You really, my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate, and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. But just then, Esau returns, prepares the meal for Isaac, goes to him, but it's too late. Isaac has made Jacob boss of the family. He's passed the covenant blessing on to Jacob. Verse 30. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, Please sit up and eat some of the game so that you may give me your blessing. His father, Isaac, asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who is it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I've made him lord over you. And have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So, what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau, as you can imagine, is is livid. He's so angry. Remember, remember, his dad has now become very rich. I mean, Esau might not have cared about the inheritance back when he sold his birthright, when when Isaac was wandering, but by now, this has become an inheritance worth having. Even for someone who doesn't care about God, even for someone who doesn't care about the future, this is an inheritance worth having, and Esau is angry. And so, like Cain before him, he decides to kill his brother. After his dad dies, he's going to kill his brother Jacob. Verse 41, verse 41. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. him, He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Well, again, Rebecca hears about it. Again, she comes up with a plan, a plan that will rescue Jacob and at the same time avoid the issue they faced with Esau and his godless wives. She plans to send Jacob back to her family. That way he can be well away from Esau and there he can find a more godly wife. It's it's two birds with one stone. Isaac agrees with the plan and he sends Jacob off with a blessing and notice as we read it's the blessing that God gave to Abraham. It's the blessing that Isaac should have given Jacob in the first place. It's the blessing that Jacob was promised but that he deceitfully stole. Well Isaac is now submitted to what God said all along. He is now willingly passing on the blessing to Jacob. Chapter 28 and verse one 28:1. 28-1. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful. And increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way. The section then finishes the way it started with Esau and his wives. Esau now realises that his wives have been causing grief and so he decides to marry some more wives, wives who are more closely related to the family and to the covenant. Verse 8, 28, eight. Esau now Esau realised how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahalath, the sister of Nebaioth and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. All right, you can see what's here in this passage. First, uh, godless Esau marries some godless wives. Uh, Next, uh, Isaac plans to give his blessing to Esau, but through the scheming and lies, uh, Rebecca and Jacob, they they get the blessing for Jacob. Uh, Esau gets angry. He he wants Jacob dead. So his mum and dad send him off to her family to, to get away from Esau and also to find a godly wife. the section then finishes with Esau marrying some more women. Okay. That's the story. So now what do we do with it? What do these stories of people so far away, so long ago, what have they got to do with us? Well, the answer, as we've seen all along as we've studied Genesis, it relates to these promises that God has made here. Promises he made to Isaac, uh, promises he made to Abraham and and to Isaac, and now to Jacob. Uh, Promises to make them God's people in God's place under his blessing. Now these promises, they are very relevant to us as Christians because these are the very promises that Jesus came into this world to fulfill. Uh, It is sin that stops us from being God's people. It is sin that stops us from being with God in his place. It is sin that stops us from having God bless us. But Jesus came into this world and he lived and he died and he rose again from the dead to deal with our sin. Jesus bore the curse and punishment that our sin deserves so we can now be forgiven, so we can be cleansed and so we can be made God's people in God's place under his blessing. Have you memorised Galatians 3.29 yet, friends? Galatians 3.29, i nine. I've put it on your outline one more time. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you belong to Christ, the promises are yours. Like Isaac and like Jacob, we are heirs of the promises of God. So what can we learn from this story? What can we learn from this story as we look at these people who lived with the promises of God? Last week. Uh, Last week we talked about what we can learn from Esau. Uh, The writer of the Hebrews made the lesson clear. He said, He said, make sure you're not godless like Esau. Make sure you you realize the value of God's promises. Uh, We need to realize that these promises are eternally valuable. They are way better than anything this world has to offer. I mean, Jesus himself said, he said, if you, if you gain the whole world, but lose your soul, lose your place as God's person in his place under his eternal blessing, well, you have lost out big time. Friends, do learn from Esau, won't you? Don't get so caught up in the stuff of this world that you drift away from Jesus. Nothing is more important than Jesus. Keep Jesus at the centre. Seek first his kingdom. Treasure God's promises in Jesus. That's what we can learn from Esau. But what about from Isaac? What can we learn from Isaac in this story? Well, Isaac learned a valuable lesson. He learned You can't stop God's promises. Isaac knew. He knew that God had promised to make Jacob leader of the family. He knew Jacob should inherit the blessing, but he decided to secretly give the blessing to his favourite, to Esau, instead. That didn't go well for him, did it? Caused all kinds of problems. But but by the end of the story, he has submitted himself to God's will. By the end of the story, he is blessing Jacob with the blessing of Abraham. Friends, we've got to learn from Isaac. With or without you, God will keep his promises. You cannot stop God's promises. God has said to the Lord Jesus Christ, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Whether you like it or not, the day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. The big question is this, where will you be on that day? Will you be willingly submitting to Jesus, joyfully bowing to him as your king and saviour, or will you be his enemy? Will you have fought against God and his promises? Will you be there on that last day, defeated, facing the judgment of your almighty conqueror? You do not want to ignore God's promises like Esau, and you don't want to oppose God's promises like Isaac. And what about rebecca and jacob what what, what can we learn from them you know with all their tricks they cause a lot of trouble don't they i I can't imagine what they have done here that it was good for their relationship with isaac i can't imagine was good for their marriage or or, or for the relationship of father and son and, and because of their deceit esau is now ready to kill jacob Jacob has to run away. For 20 years, he'll be gone. By the time Jacob gets back, his mother will be dead. This is the last time they'll see each other. For all their love, this is the last time they'll see each other. Rebecca and Jacob, they pay a big price for their scheming. And friends, it was all to get hold of a blessing that God had already promised to Jacob. D- Do you seriously think God would have been thwarted if Rebecca and Jacob had not gone ahead with their deceitful plan? Do you think Jacob would have somehow missed out on God's promise? Of course not. Of course God would have done what he promised. This whole charade was, it was unnecessary and it did nothing but cause great damage and heartache. Friends, you can't trick God into saving you You can't trick God into giving his promises to you. You might be able to trick people, but you can't trick God. Do you know what? Jesus said it to the religious leaders of his day. Everyone thought they were so godly, but Jesus knew better. And he said this, I've put it on your outline. Can you see it there? He said, you justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. God knows your hearts. Or or you see something similar in the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus talks about practicing our religion, our our righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. He talks about uh, giving money to the poor or to the church or something like that. He he talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. He says... you may well be able to trick people with your piety. They may think you're all godly and holy and religious. But, but then he talks about God and what God sees. And over and over again, he uses the same expression, an incredibly powerful expression. He calls God, he calls him, your father who sees what is done in secret. Your father who sees what is done in secret. You can't trick God. He sees your heart. He knows what is done in secret. You you can't get God's promises by trickery. You can't get God's promises in any way other than the way God says, and that is to honestly, sincerely, humbly put your faith in Jesus. As Jesus said, he is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through through him. So friends, friends, don't play games with God. Don't try to fudge it. Don't pretend. Don't make bargains. Don't make deals. Don't don't do anything like that. Don't don't put on a show to impress people. Just don't play religious games. Just trust Jesus With, with a truthful, sincere heart. Put your faith in Jesus. And friends, if you want other people to trust Jesus, again, just do it straight. Don't do any tricks. Don't play games. Don't try to deceive people. Don't distort the gospel. Don't change it. Don't try to make it more palatable. It's not up to you to save people. That's God's job. It's up to you to tell the truth, to, to faithfully commend the gospel by speaking the truth in love and, and, and by backing it up with, with, with a genuine godly life. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where the Apostle Paul talks about how he shares the gospel. I've put the passage on your outline there. Can you see it there? Because he, he talks about how you've just got to tell it like it is. Just be straight with people. You see it there he says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we've announced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary... By setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Friends, I'm pretty gullible. Even now I'm getting older, it's still pretty easy to trick me. But friends, you're never going to trick God. Don't even try, will you? Well, there are good lessons to learn here in these stories, aren't there? Lessons very relevant to us as people who've received God's promises in Jesus. Don't ignore God's promises like Esau. Don't oppose them like Isaac. And don't try to trick your way into them like Rebecca and Jacob. If you want God's promises, you need to get them God's way. Just sincerely trust Jesus and live for him. Let's pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your beautiful promises given to Abraham and fulfilled in Jesus. Thank you that through, through Jesus our sin can be fully dealt with and we can be your people, with you, under your blessing, delighting in you forever. Heavenly Father, these are wonderful promises worth more than all of the world put together. So, Father, please help us to trust Jesus Please, by your mercy and grace, grant to us these promises and help us to commend these promises to others by being sincere, genuine people who love you, who love the Lord Jesus Christ and who tell the truth about him. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.